namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa namo tassa bhagavato arahato samma samputassa bhutang dhammang sankhang namasami How to make the mind peaceful is the great challenge of any life, whether it's at the time of the Buddha or our time. I, l- I like to look at the teachings of the Buddha in sort of three areas which help me. One is the, the sort of social philosophy of Buddhism, how, how to live life with other people, how to live life within my responsibilities and uh, within my relationships in a way which is skillful and is a benefit to others as well as to myself. So I chose monk. I didn't do relationships, but all life is relationship. I have never had children, so I don't know what the teaching is there or what you learn, but quite simply, the, the social philosophy is to do good and refrain from doing harm, and then all the variations on that. And that that's a, that's a foundation for the spiritual life without a... Uh, without a wholesome social life, it's pretty hard not to be confused. So, so uh, we're very fortunate in Canada to live a fairly safe life and not be bombed and all the horrible things that go on. We're very, very fortunate. Um, the second sort of um, chunk of teaching, shall we say, is uh, for me that just the understanding of the psychology of mind, understanding how... Um, the way the way the mind works and the way uh, the way of letting go of, of fear, anger, jealousy, all that stuff that really disturbs us and, and causes uh, suffering, causes other suffering, and how to shift the mind towards that which is compassionate and and, and generous and such like, and that's very important because we can really get caught up with our psychology and really really get caught up with our moods and. Uh, believe in our perceptions and and so on and so forth. So that's important to understand how t- to understand oneself in terms of what kind of psychological states uh, persist uh, and are they negative or positive? Do they create a strong sense of ego or do they create a more kind of empty space where one can function? So that's important, obviously. And then also there's the the transcendent teaching and. Really, this was why the Buddha taught that he, from what I can understand, his his realization was a transcendent realization. It was a spiritual realization rather than just a, a social realization or a psychological realization. There was something very profound about his enlightenment, and and so uh, that's the that's the deepest message he was trying to convey, and. The, it's a very optimistic message because he says that for all human beings there is this possibility of deep peace and deep compassion. Uh, it takes a bit of work, uh, but this is a possibility we all have, men and women, all cultures, and it doesn't really matter. And so um, that transcendent teaching, obviously that's really why I became a monk. Uh, that's, why, that's my deepest interest. But the others the social philosophy and the understanding of the psychological states are, are a foundation for 
for that deeper realization, for for peace. Um, so, whenever I give these talks, I go one of the three. Usually, it's the last one because <laughs> I have a kind of preference for that. And so today, I was so this last week, I've been thinking a lot the idea of timelessness, and then. Um, If you think about something like, let's say, tension in your body, so if, you, if you feel tension in your body, and then you notice the tension, and then you try to relax it, you feel tension, you try to relax it, quite often that very trying to relax it makes it more tense. Because you're trying to get something you don't have. Now, if you, in my experience of the body, if I, if I'm fully conscious of tension, and I let that become conscious, and I and I take that perspective, that this is happening in awareness, this tension has arisen in awareness, I can certainly move and change my posture to get out of the tension. But, but what I've noticed is that the tension will take care of itself if I don't try to get rid of it. If I don't get in there and try to get rid of it, if I just know, oh, this is tension, then it seems to sort itself out. Awareness is is, is really mysterious, a very mysterious thing, because it's, as I was trying to indicate, as I often try to indicate in these talk, little talks I give, it, it, you, you, you can listen to sound, you can feel your body, you can smell the incense, and you can see that's moving, you can localize your attention on, on different uh, sense experiences and yet awareness you can never really locate. You can't say the awareness is in the body, you can't say it's outside the body. You can't really quantify it, you can't say that awareness is big or small, as I can't. Um, so the, the, the transcendent teachings are, are really pointing to this, the mystery, the mystery of awareness. Because the awareness is not the same as a sense experience. It's not the same as a pleasurable experience. You can have a like you you can feel peaceful because the circumstances are peaceful. I can feel I can feel peaceful when everyone is agreeing with me and my body hasn't got a lot of pain and um, you know I've, and the weather's right and all circumstances come together. That can feel peaceful and it is peaceful, but it's circumstantial peace. The circumstances are such that they're fulfilling my desires on how I want life to be, and hence it's peaceful. And, I, you know, I think we're always trying for that one. But certainly that, that kind of comes and goes very much. Because there are a lot of circumstances which are not in our control, outside of our control, and uh, we, have to bear with, we have to bear witness to that. But awareness is not a circumstance, is it? You know, I can have the circumstances be factious, I can have bodily pain, uh, I can have maybe sleet and rain coming down, yeah. maybe I can get an email letter which is very troublesome or something like that. And those, those conditions um, are not peaceful in themselves. They're negative, they're unpleasant, they're annoying, they're whatever it might be. But awareness itself can know, can know that. So awareness isn't circumstantial. 
hot and cold, circumstantial. Um, people praising me, circumstantial. People blaming me, circumstantial. My body is a circumstance which is quickly decaying and getting increasingly stiff and I have to do increasing amounts of exercise. It's, I think it's a losing battle, but I give it a go. So the, just the body itself, um, sometimes it feels pleasant, but much of the time it doesn't. But awareness is not the body. Notice how, like just in just doing this body meditation, you make conscious your mouth, make conscious your head, make conscious the breath, and and you see that the the body is functioning in its. This is a non, you know, not not through intellect now, not through thought, but through the the very real experience of the body. Of the body, how do you experience the body? You feel the breath as a sensation in the chest somewhere. You feel the wetness in the mouth. You feel maybe some tension in the thigh, whatever. Uh, and yet awareness, awareness knows this movement. Awareness knows this movement. And then you toggle over to sound and back to the body. You get a feeling for that. You get a feeling for that awareness is not dependent on the, um, the circumstance of the body, whether it's pleasant or unpleasant. Happiness is. So happiness is certainly... Sense happiness is, is certainly dependent on the sense experience, and, and we all we all prefer happy bodily states, happily sounding, happy sounds, and such like. But happiness is is not a spiritual goal. We would say happiness can be a, a foundation. You know, if we have a harmonious community of people, if um, our bodies are a bit more flexible, and if we have a good diet and so on, it can be a foundation. But it's not to be relied upon. It's not the goal. It's not the goal because happiness is still circumstantial. But awareness isn't. I can I can be aware of not liking something, can't I? I can be aware of that. I don't like this. I can I can be aware of resistance to pain or I can be aware of that. I can be aware of how I'm drawn to something beautiful and exciting and interesting. I can be I can be aware of that movement. And yet the awareness is not a movement. So we'd say that that awareness is really the key to the transcendent. The key to the transcendent. And so our our practice is is very much based on a a timeless sense of awakening to the way things are. And and the the sort of paradox of this is that we we all want to be peaceful. Right? We come here because... We're interested in peace, we're interested in compassion, we're interested in goodness. We want that. And yet the teaching is saying, if you don't let go of wanting, you'll always be looking for something else and you'll never be present to the way things are. And that very looking for something else already is unpeaceful. It's already unpeaceful. So you have this sort of paradox that we want to be peaceful, but the way to be peaceful is to go beyond wanting. And that's not gobbledygook. It's just saying that the the deepest peace we experience it cannot be in time. It's not something that's tomorrow. It always has to be here now. And the way we do that is by becoming conscious of things just as they are, just as they present themselves. Now, that's very difficult to do if I'm starving. Well, that's very difficult to do if I'm in a work situation where people are abusive towards me. It's very difficult to do if I have uh, abuse from childhood and so on that I have to deal with. So all those things 
have to be addressed. Otherwise, the subtlety of awareness isn't allowed to be explored. And one is always just surviving or, or being overwhelmed by all kinds of psychological material. So the social philosophy, the psychological teachings are very, very important to try to try to understand that and get that right. But um, if we just left it as a kind of social philosophy or just psychology, then we wouldn't have a transcendent. We wouldn't have the, the really profound peace that the Buddha is, is pointing to as a possibility. So again, using those as method, then the idea of, of timelessness, and in our chanting we say the Dharma is not a matter of time, the idea of timelessness is that if I'm with something now, with some experience of um, breath or some experience of of bodily sensation, some experience of sound. If if I if I want something other than it is right now, some other kind of experience rather than this experience, that very seeking for a future experience takes me away from awareness, takes me to a preconceived idea of what I need to do as a meditator, takes me to some kind of memory of what I had as a meditator, takes me to some kind of book knowledge of what enlightenment is or what. Um, spirituality is, and so on and so forth. So, so the mind is not really present. It has a kind of agenda of becoming, agenda of becoming, and that in itself is the problem. That in itself is the problem. So the recommendation that we get from the Buddhist teaching is: Well, can you just learn how to be with with life as it presents itself? Again, in these, in within this, the idea of a, a good social life and a good psychological life. Can I just be present to the way things are and emphasize the awareness more rather than the circumstance? Emphasize the knowing more rather than the pleasure or displeasure of the experience? Emphasize the consciousness of this moment rather than the content of the consciousness, the things of the consciousness? And, and if we do that, then what we're doing, we're going against this idea, I need to get something else in time, and we begin to come back to the just this moment, just the pure presence in this moment. And if one can notice that and 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 understand the importance of that, it comes from wisdom, you know, it comes from understanding. See the importance of that, and just have the patience to abide in that deep sense of presence. Then what happens is the material that comes up can be pleasant or unpleasant. Uh, you can get painful knee, you get memories from work and thoughts about family and all these things are coming and going and these comings and goings we tend to get distracted by and the meditative process is one is non-distraction non-preoccupation and as we get better at that non-distraction the capacity to abide as presence as awareness uh, as the knowing as we say in the Thai tradition as fully conscious presence that gets stronger Rather like riding a bicycle, you get better at balance. And as that becomes stronger, the, intu- the intuition begins to open that, yeah, somewhere in this experience, it's already peaceful. It's already there. I don't need to go somewhere else. It's already... You begin to touch that, begin to taste that, begin to notice that. And then that, that begins to be like a, uh, Something you incline towards through interest. Well, what is this present moment really like? And what is awareness like? And we begin to emphasize awareness rather than experience. 
And that that leads that leads to the transcendent. That leads to the transcendent peace, which exists through all conditions, through all all experiences. The the reality of the meditative process is that you you sit down and also you start falling asleep. You just had lunch and you start nodding, or or you start to get you know some kind of um, really lovely project in your mind of what you're going to create or where you're going to travel or what you're going to build and the mind takes off and grabs these things our attention gets kidnapped that's a kind of good way to look at it notice how when we'll be sitting and you're just watching the breath and all of a sudden you're thinking about some um, maybe uh, interesting encounter you're going to have next week with a friend all of a sudden you'll be reborn or kidnapped into that now that there's nothing immoral about that there's nothing wrong with that but that preoccupation with the object takes you away from the awareness. That preoccupation with the object precludes the possibility of knowing deep peace because your mental space now is preoccupied with thought. It's taken up with ideas, the future and the past. You're not, one's not available to peace. One is preoccupied. So letting go of preoccupations is one of the, way we, one of the ways we talk about meditation. Letting go of preoccupations. Not... It's not the denial of thought. It's not saying you can't think. It's just saying thinking is very limited. Uh, thinking is very habitual. Uh, thinking is oftentimes driven by moods, and then those moods create a kind of reality. And all of that, all of that uh, distraction, prevents one from noticing something more deep and more profound than just the the fantasy or the worry, whatever it is. So the understanding of thought. Is, is terribly important. And the, and the training around thought is very difficult. It's not easy. Um, but to, so, so the way we try to engage that is to, to understand that the, 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 the moods that drive the thoughts, and, and this is a very popular, in, in modern uh, Western psychology, don't, don't, don't follow the storyline, don't follow the narrative. That's a very good recommendation. But to know, that, to know the underlying mood of the mind so, like, for myself now, I'm, I'm just learning to do joinery, and my mind keeps building stuff. So it goes again, you know, because it's exciting, it's interesting. And I'll get a bit of oak, and then me and Crawford will go to the sawmill, we'll get a bit of oak, and we'll go ten, and the mind... Hmm. Now, if I was, if I was just planning... Uh, which I've done, and do some drawings and so on to build a table, and that's that's normal. That's normal. But this mind, which just loves to be entertained, you know, the, the fantasy mind, or maybe something else, the, the, some kind of worrisome situation in the monastery or in the family, wherever, and, and that pops up into my head. What if? What if this happens? What if that happens? And the, and, and tension then runs through that, and so on and so forth. And we have it in so many ways. The problem there is this preoccupation, preoccupation with thought. So at some point we have to say, no, not now, no. And that's the that's a discipline that we have, and that's built on intention. Our intention is to now to stay in the present moment, and meditation is built on intentions. All of all of life is built on intentions. Really, that's what our inner world is. It's just the the consequence of accumulated intentions. But oh, the way we build uh, this capacity in meditation is we really make clear intention what we're doing. We call it Vitaka Vijara in Nepali. 
we make a really clear intention now the breath or now emptiness or now silence or whatever whatever you like and we have to keep reinforcing that intention so that when the mind wants to go off into its projects and its plans or its worries or its resentments we we have we have an energy in us which knows no that's not the path that's not the way to go this this isn't suppressing things it's just creating priorities uh making making the direction more clear in one's life if if the if the material which is which is generating the uh the thinking mind if that material is very like fraught with emotion then then what we try to do is just process it physically and that's a beautiful possibility the possibility of of knowing worry as a physical tension and just being patient with or knowing resentment as a physical tension or knowing fear as a physical tension or knowing greed as a physical tension they all uh, they're, they're conjoined aren't they mind body is one experience it's not two you don't have one mind and one body it's one one energetic experience and to to be able to process the moods of the mind without going to thought that's a that's a that's a great skill which we are recommended to develop to process the moods of the mind without going to thought because you have to process them like if someone you know someone uh, I remember once I was uh, I was at a Buddhist meeting in London and I was feeling really open really really open and everyone was kind of very charming and lovely and uh, being very Buddhist <laughs> and some guy came up to me and he just went for my jugular about something was going on in Sri Lanka that the monks were involved in the in the war there and uh, I didn't know what he was talking about but I was so open I was so open that when someone came at me with this kind of hatred it really shocked me I just got wow it took me about two days to process it it just kind of like got, got me you know how you get blindsided you get really kind of confused so that's an extreme, but that happens, doesn't it? That, that life somehow shocks us, or, or we have old material coming from uh, memory or whatever. And when these come up into consciousness, it's very important to process them. Because if we do, how, you know, how do you process something? What do you do? Well, well, if I go to the narrative, I tend to just to churn it up and recreate it. But if I go to the body and I allow it to be processed then I'm doing two things. I'm strengthening the transcendent possibility because I'm not attached to the material. And I'm also letting it go from me. Consciousness, as my teacher would say, is the escape hatch. It escapes from you. Being fully conscious of that experience, say, in London, was an unpleasant thing. And I was surprised at I was surprised at the, the way the guy came at me, but I was surprised at my kind of vulnerability there. This is very real. This is very real. I just had to just be very patient with it. I sat and I sat and I could, I could feel my kind of murderous impulse coming up to this guy. No, I was just, what does it feel like? What does it feel like? And that, that processed away. That, that went away because it was conscious. So something becoming conscious is very, very helpful actually if we have the safety to look at it, if we have the presence of mind to look at it. And that's quite often the case. You're sitting in meditation and the mind's not going to be peaceful today. Thank you very much. It's going to have some old memory coming up, some resentment. And that's very important just to 
to say that the important thing is now awareness of change rather than trying to just sort the content out all the time. The content comes because of all manner of things. So if one keeps emphasizing awareness of change, then it's okay. Then it's okay. The experience can be can be negative and unpleasant and difficult, but it's the awareness that's important. And all all experiences point to awareness. You know, whether I have a, a beautiful, open-hearted experience with someone or I feel just totally... Uh, uh, in conflict with someone, uh, how I do that socially is another thing. But, but both of them point to awareness. Both of them point to awareness. You can't have those experiences without awareness. And if you, if we emphasize the awareness in both the positive and negative, then all the time our mind is inclining to that which is unconditioned. It's not circumstantial. It's not. Uh, it's not conditioned by that. So, so you know, the person goes for my jugular. I, I, I feel the impact. I can still practice awareness. It's unpleasant, but I can still practice awareness. I can still let go of thinking. And so much of these life situations actually become your allies in, in, in becoming stronger in awareness. They become your, your, um, your kind of partners in, in developing patience, endurance, wisdom, all these factors which are important, rather than just being some horrible social situation or horrible emotion which now I just have to endure. And, and Buddhism is, is trying to kind of make all this meaningful. You know, what's, you know, where's the meaning in someone insulting me? It seems totally meaningless, doesn't it? Or, 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 or whatever negativity might come at me. Where's the meaning in that? Well, if you're developing awareness around all conditions whether they're good, bad, or indifferent, if you're developing awareness, then you, you always put meaning into it because, oh, this is a challenge now. This is a challenge. I'd like to, I'd like to get back at that person or uh, whatever, whatever it might be. This, this is a real challenge just to be with that. And so if you pick up the challenge, then the, then the difficulty becomes meaningful. And all the time, all the time, the mind is inclining towards the transcendent. When the, when the social situations or the emotional situations are not so fraught, when they're not so um, fraught, and, and the mind has more, more quietness, and the mind isn't, isn't so caught up with past and future, it's very, very, it becomes very interesting because now you can, you can do things like, okay, what is it that doesn't change? You start to play around, you know, you're sitting there, and okay. The Buddha says there's something unconditioned. So what is it that doesn't change? What is it that's here now and doesn't change? So if you're looking for something, then that won't be it, because you're looking for something other than the present moment. So you, you begin to philosophically understand that, that there has to be at the present moment, true peace. And that has to be somehow available, but I'm just not noticing it. And as you just do that kind of existential questioning of, well, what is it that doesn't change? Your mind recedes from that which changes. The sights and the sounds and the memories and the bodily feelings. That's all changing. So you start not to grasp that. You start not to get preoccupied with that. What is it that's not changing? And you begin to feel awareness. And yet awareness you can't find. You can only be aware. That's what we say. So I just simply say, be the Buddha rather than become enlightened. Be awareness. Awareness itself or... The awake is the kind of what we mean by the word Buddha. Awake, awake, aware. 
And as as you do that with the difficult things, like say, um, if I feel um, greed for something, and 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 I, I have enough presence of mind, rather than judge the greed as being bad, it's not bad. Greed is just greed, as it is. But I say, okay, greed feels this way. What is it that knows greed? And what is it that knows the body? What is it that knows I feel fear? And you always see something bigger. Or, or ex- more expansive, or whatever dimension you want to put on it. The fact that I can know I feel greedy, or there is greed, means I'm not greedy. There is greed, but there's something that knows that. The fact that I can feel compassion or anger, you can always see, yeah, but there's something that knows compassion. There's something that knows anger. What is that? And that you can't find, you can only be. You can't find that as, as, an, as an experience. It's obviously it's e- it's easier to be aware if the 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 what I've done this last week or this last year has been generous, compassionate, kind, uh, moral, etc., etc. Because the heart's happy. If I you know if I've really lived a slovenly life, and it's very difficult because the, the the experiences and and the memories are so very, very negative. So the Buddha recommends hey, live a good life, live a good life. Live a generous life, live a responsible life. These are beautiful things, but not as an end in itself, rather as the method. Live a compassionate life, live a generous life, the method. And as one does that, one wants to do that more, more and more, because it's the only thing that makes sense. The other doesn't really make much sense. So whatever, I don't know what meditations you'll use or what you develop, but do, do contemplate, like, what is the difference between a psychological state of, of like when, when your mind isn't upset, right? And then your mind is upset, there's that movement. But what is it that knows you feel upset? That knows you don't feel upset? What is that? And that's, the, that's where the deepest peace, so we would say, lies. Okay, I'll leave that for your reflection today. Sadhu, 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 anamoda.